Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Scientology Fair Game. Hi, Mikey. Hi, Lily. <laughs> Today, we have another wonderful guest, Phil Jones. Yes. And uh, hi, Phil. Hi, Leah. This is great. Hi, I Phil. appreciate you having me on. Hi, Mike. And it's absolutely our pleasure and so glad to, to talk to you. So yeah, you know, Phil, we really had wanted to be able to uh, tell your story in the aftermath, but for various technical reasons, we could not do so. I realized that you probably would have needed another uh, five years to cover uh, cover everything in that show anyway. So That's the thing. It's like we we wanted to tell every story, every story we found important and worth telling. We just didn't have enough time to do it. And like yeah. I said, we weren't the the final say of, of every decision that was made on the aftermath. So, and, and um, you know, yeah. I'm sure that it's going to come up in the course of this discussion, but we are very well aware that you were involved with another production about Scientology at that time that was even being done by A&E and that called the never disconnected aired. called the disconnected. Well, yeah. yeah. Right. And, and, that was something that Leah and I fought about for a long time to try to get that show to air. Wow. We were accused of trying yeah. to stop oh, yeah. it. No, yeah. We were wow. the exact opposite. Yeah, we tried to get involved and, you know, talking to Jamie DeWolf, we tried to get the show to air between season one and season two of The Aftermath. And then we tried to uh, host it. We wanted to host showing the show and talking and having all of you there in studio wow. talking about the show. Um, but we it wasn't done by the production company that did our show. So then we tried to call that production company to see if they could work with the production company that we were working with and partner up with us so that we can get that show seen. Uh, but we were obviously unsuccessful. Yeah, I, I mean, my understanding was, from what I was told, shows get shot and then shelved, and you know, for whatever reason, uh, a network would, can do that. So, I mean, they own the show. So yes, and that that was the other thing we tried to get back the show to yeah. help the the other production company try to help them yeah. to get the show back. Yeah, from A and E, well, so maybe, that maybe we could all maybe, go and huh. Yeah. Maybe one day they'll leak the show. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's uh, something that you know we thought would would be important for the viewers to see, especially yeah. especially when we season one was so based in disconnection to see yeah. um, the you guys actually tr making attempts. You know, because how many times have you been asked this, Phil? You and your wife, Willie, you know, why don't you just go and knock on the door of the Church of Scientology right. to try to see your son or daughter? And, you know, you actually yeah. saw it. You actually saw it being done. Right. And it, it's it's not these moments that you think, everybody, that, you know, first of all, this is private property. You can't just walk up to a Church of Scientology. And, and Mike, certainly there's footage of you trying to see your son, Ben, yep. who you were I've told yeah. had cancer and and thankfully he is okay today but that's not through uh communication between you and your son because your son won't talk to you because you're a suppressive person 
Um, but when you went, there is footage of you and Marty Rathbun, who is now back into the Church of Scientology, everybody, uh, knocking on the door of the Fort Harrison, asking to see your son, and then the Clearwater police were called, and you were asked to leave the premises. And that's what happened in the Disconnected show that we saw. We saw, what was it, six episodes or eight episodes of you guys uh, and different families, sons and daughters of parents who were still in Scientology, walking up to them, saying, I would like to talk to you. And the response is, I'm not allowed to talk to you. You need to get yourself handled. Go talk right. to the International Justice Justice Chief, which is the guy who is in charge of saying yay or nay to you talking to your family member or friend who has left Scientology. And you need to get yourself handled. And that's it. There's no yeah. big... Yeah, There's no I, big, uh, I don't know, happening that people think is going to happen. And you can't just simply go knock on a door of the Church of Scientology. They will call the police and you'll be asked to leave. Even individuals. My brother uh, lives locally. I haven't seen him. I, I ran into him a few weeks back. First time I've seen him in probably eight, ten years. He's a hardcore Scientologist. He worked for DSA for years. Uh, What's DSA? Uh -huh. Office of Special Affairs, um, and I tried to talk to him. Said, "Why don't we go have a coffee, Martin?" I mean, he just wouldn't have it. Just go, go get yourself handled. Meaning, you know, all the things that I'm not going to go do. Which means he, uh, what, what he's inferring to, what he's saying is, uh, Phil, that you need to go back to the Church of Scientology yeah, and and and, and then recant everything that you said about the Church of Scientology, and then pay for Scientology. Again, so start from the bottom of the Scientology bridge, which, you know, takes a, a lifetime to get to and, you know, $500,000 or $300,000 and do the bridge all over again and denounce everything and everyone that has befriended you since leaving Scientology and recant everything you said, say that you were lying, saying that you were psychotic. And that's how your brother is implying you guys could have a relationship. Yeah, the bottom line, though, was he didn't want to have anything to do with me. In in his mind, it was just he knew that that was not going to happen. So it was just, you know, get lost kind of thing. I mean, he, he could have just as well said, you know, go away. Right, <laughs> right. He almost kind of did. but Right. I mean, and that is basically what happens when you try to approach your son or daughter or right. a, a loved one or a friend in Scientology. They just say, you need to go get yourself handled. I can't talk yeah. to you. Um, okay, so Phil, let's get into your story. You got you got into Scientology in 1969, and right. you met your wife Willie um, at the Toronto Church of Scientology. Right. I lived in a small town outside of Toronto. I was in high school, and there were a couple of Scientologists who came to our small town to do a Narconon lecture. The timing on that was so tight it was amazing that i actually ended up going to that seminar we were coming out of the hockey rink from with some friends watching a hockey game and one of my friends saw this notice on the bulletin board outside and it was freezing cold i just wanted to go home and it was about this lecture and he said oh let's go to it and I, nah, nah. anyway he talked us all into it um we went it was the next night and I, it was a they were talking stuff that i just didn't understand in the lecture but afterward they had food i was in high school teenage kid food okay i'll stay and so they kind of talked me into scientology at the time they something they said um you know 
clicked and I ended up getting in. And then, do you remember what it was? You know, it, it goes back a little farther that for me, my, my dad, when I was probably six years old, maybe seven or maybe even younger, uh, he ended up getting into a cult, a Hindu cult. So there was kind of this thing throughout my life. I was kind of always, it was kind of an empty spot that I was trying to fill with looking for different sort of spiritual things. And I, you know, I kept reading books and they weren't fitting. So when I, when I talked to these Scientologists, one guy said something about the bridge it's step by step by step. And I thought, okay, well, that's what I need the step by step thing. Cause I, you know, none of these books were really showing me how I can get any advancement. Somehow I believe these guys. Um, and I ended up getting in. And once you start and you start doing, you know, TRs, training routines, and, and all those drills and stuff. It's very hypnotic, and it's very, it's like a it's sort of a sneaky thing where you, you know, before you know it, you're in. You know? Right, right. So um, that's kind of how I ended up getting started in it. And, and in, then a few years later, I had joined staff in Toronto, and Willie, who, my wife, who was from Winnipeg, was down in Toronto. She had uh, come down and she had joined staff as well. So we met, we got together and, uh, been together ever since. And then you raise your kid, you moved to Clearwater. Well, initially we moved out West, uh, from Toronto. We moved to Calgary for two and a half years. Now we, we've done this a few times over, over our lives where we kind of move away from Scientology. When we were in Calgary for almost three years. We never touched Scientology when we were there. There was an org out there. I never went there, never did right. a course. And we kind of always kept getting pulled back in by my sister, who was also a Scientologist. Okay. Uh, we went back to uh, Toronto then. And then in, in the, and then during that time um, in the eighties, um, we managed, we ended up applying for getting a, getting a green card to move to the States. So we moved to Clearwater. My wife and I, we had three kids at the time. So we all moved to Clearwater and um, and lived there for about 25 years. And, and <clears throat> since we were away from my sister, who was always the push for us being on the bridge, when we were yeah. in Toronto, that 10 years in the 80s is when I did OT4 and really, anyway, we moved to Clearwater. We still had it in our heads that we were Scientologists. But in that entire time, we hardly did anything at all. Never did anything at Flag. I had some auditing paid for at, at St. Hill in the, in the UK from back in the 80s. So we flew over partly for the vacation of it. Um, I got a little bit of auditing over there. And then we went back to Clearwater. Again, did no bridge at all. But all our kids ended up going in the Scientology schools the um, true school that turned into Adelphi. Um, so they grew up in Scientology schools, in the Scientology environment. All their friends were Scientologists. Right, of course. It, it was uh, kind of a breeding ground for for Scientologists a little bit, uh, having our kids grow up in it. But we oh, really didn't do much in Scientology. Even right, but, we you weren't, but you weren't anti-Scientology. You were still, you know, you guys yeah. were... In our heads, we considered we were Scientologists. Of course. And, and that was it. We just weren't really active in it. Right, anything. right, right. I, I just want to make a comment here, <clears throat> Phil, because you bring up something really interesting about the Delphi schools and these Scientology Scientology schools or Scientologist-owned or Scientology 
oriented schools, they absolutely are a recruiting ground for the sea organization. In fact, inside the United States these days, they are virtually the only source of recruits for the sea organization. They are, they are raising children to become full-time Scientologists. And though they dispute that, and Scientology says over and over, oh, no, they've got nothing. They're secular. They don't have anything to do with this. The truth of the matter is Scientology Sea Org recruiters go to these schools and recruit those kids when they're 14, 15, 16 to join the Sea Organization, and it is their most successful avenue of getting anybody other than that, they only really get people from, from Eastern Europe and South America with the yeah. promise of a, a job, a roof, and food if they will come to the United States and join the Sea Org. That's exactly right. Our daughter at 14 wanted to go in the Sea Org, uh, and she was still in the school. We refused. We actually fought having the kids in the Sea Org the whole way. Um, when our daughter was 16, um, we were told, I mean, we, there's a lot of lies that Scientology gives you about what, you know, oh, yeah, you'll see them every day and right, they'll right. finish their education and all that. Emily went in at Flag, um, and then we have two sons. Our oldest son uh, was a musician. He plays guitar, and he moved to Los Angeles to uh, pursue a music career. But out there, I mean, he still was a Scientologist, and he was ruthlessly chased by recruiters and he would call me up every month or so and say, well, Orange County Org wants me to join staff. And I would talk him out of it. And then he'd go, well, uh, the Valley Org wants me to join staff. I said, no. And then finally one day he got to Celebrity Center and they promised him he could do music. And so he ended up joining the Sea Org and going and uh, joining a Celebrity Center in Los Angeles. Our other son, and I had tried, I mean, it had been at least four or five times I had talked him out of joining staff elsewhere. The day that our oldest son joined staff at Celebrity Center, our youngest son was there also sitting at the recruiter's desk, called me up and said, you know, I'm not sure. I said, get on a bus, go to the airport. And I'll have a ticket waiting for you. Come home. So he was the only one who didn't end up joining the Sea Org and that we managed to keep out of it. Um, and because of that, we have five grandkids oh wow yeah we're happy yeah i know that makes you emotional is it because of the well i don't want to i don't want to guess but why why is this making you emotional you know dismissing the other two yes yeah i understand Uh, this is the part that uh that people don't really get. These are your children, and this is a church that is separating and destroying families. And the effects that it has um, is just, I, I just think this is the part that's, people who are in cults get it, people who have been shunned get it, people who've shunned others get it, and who have seen the light um, get it, but it's 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 still your children. They're still your children, but Scientology doesn't believe in this. They don't believe that these are your children. I mean, how how 
can you explain it best, Mike? I mean, they just kind of uh, were all well, taught that basically. I mean, it, it's it's the fundamental principle of Scientology that you're a thetan, a spiritual being, not a body. That your body comes and goes. That your you know parents and and siblings and whatever are sort of happenstance and. Right. Next lifetime, you'll have different ones. So it's kind of, what's the big deal? Right. And, and I've even seen letters that's, from parents that, saying, that, you know, I have to disconnect from you. Hopefully I'll see you next lifetime. Love mom. Like it's literally like that. Right. <laughs> yeah. And and you're taught that these, these uh, feelings or emotions are are inappropriate and not important in the overall scheme of things to the well-being of Scientology and thus the well-being of planet Earth. Yeah, and exactly. And for that, those in the Sea Org, you're right. That, it becomes a distraction. Your family is a distraction from the work that you're doing for Scientology. And that's why um, the kids during all that time they were in the Sea Org, even before they were disconnected, we barely saw them. If we didn't fly from Florida to LA to see our kids, they never would come and visit us. The odd time our daughter would be in 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 Clearwater uh, for some reason, whatever, but and we might see her for twenty minutes, but uh, they would never come to visit. They just weren't allowed to go. No, because it's not important to say. Like right. it, to to say to somebody, your senior in the Sea Org, I need to go see my dad and mom for the holidays. I'd be like, "Are you out of your fucking mind? Right. You're on post. That's what they say. Get your shit on post. Like you're on post. Don't be an idiot. Right. It's it's actually but, but yeah, it's not even it. it's not even that that your senior tells you that you're not allowed to. They may do, but the truth of the matter is, a good Sea Org member views life that way. It's not that yeah. someone tells them that they're not allowed to. They will never ask because they know that that's wrong. Yeah, Leah, you, do, yeah. do you know when my, my mother had a car accident and killed my father? Literally, two OT8s, by the way, killed my father and called me up from the hospital in Australia. I didn't go. Because I stayed were on post. It was more important to be on post than to go help, go attend the funeral of my father and help my mother, who was severely injured herself in hospital and being investigated for manslaughter. And, and I what was your didn't thought? go. And what was your thought, Mike? You were like, what, what were you thinking? It's what, like, uh, that'll be taken care of. It's not really, like, in the overall scheme of things, this is not that important like i'll get over it i you know it's just a body like right. all of the considerations and i didn't ask for time and someone said no you can't go yeah i just you, never you, it never crossed my mind that that's what i would do and and that is the yeah. mindset that is that people find very very difficult to comprehend that this is how people who are in the Sea Org in particular see the world. And it's why it's so difficult to even get their attention. It's why I can show up at the Fort Harrison and my son refuses to even come to the door to see me. Or, or the same thing with 
Phil and Willie and their children. I mean, we haven't even gotten to the disconnection stories yet, but it's pretty obvious that two of his children refuse to talk to his to their parents. And it's not even that someone is stopping them. They are stopping themselves. And that's what makes it so hard to deal with. Right. That's a great point, Mike. That's a great point. Um, okay, so in 2009, you and Willie were living in Florida. Right. Um, and this is, again, I find this so, it, it's so easy because here you are, a dedicated Scientologist, but somewhere in you, Phil, you're like, I don't want my kids to join the Sea Org, even though at this time you are believing in Scientology. Right. You're not. You're not not you're not doing Scientology, but you're still considering yourself a Scientologist. You're sending your kids to school to Scientology schools. Right. All your business is Scientologist. All your friends are Scientologists. So you're still a Scientologist. But and so here it is in 2009. You're in Florida, and you happen to go to a 7-Eleven where you see <laughs> the same. I, yeah, I stopped at the same one. Mike probably knows that it. it's on uh, North Keene there in Palm Harbor, and I stopped in there once in a while for a coffee on the way home. And just inside the door, there was the newspaper rack and big headlines, a Scientology headline. And Willie and I had been kind of drifting off a little bit anyway. We were still in it in our heads, but we were kind of like not. We didn't want to really do anything anymore in it. I I desperately wanted to read that newspaper, but I looked around the store and there were a couple other people there. And I thought, oh, you know, if there's a Scientologist in here, they're going to write me up, send a note to Flag, and I'll be in deep trouble with Scientology. So I got my coffee. I went straight home and I got on the internet to find the article online. And I came across the Truth Rundown, which was uh, 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 done by the St. Pete Times. And I just spent two days going through, looking at reading stuff, going through the videos, and I, I, I was just floored. I and when I, I mean, I was kind of getting more and more out of my head when I came across that Jason Begay video where he says, "Show me a motherfucking clear," that clicked for me. I go, you know what? That's why I got in. When right. I first read in Dianetics, I read the original book. I read was Dianetics: Evolution of Science, but. He talks about what a clear is, and that's what got me in. That's and now that's thing. that's a that's a major point on the Scientology bridge, everyone. That's like a that's like a milestone moment, like where you reach like the 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 first kind of like what? How would you explain the clear, Mike? Like it is the first like I don't know. I guess it's the first major accomplishment in Scientology, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Well, it was it was Hubbard's original accomplishment to be attained by everyone with which was to remove their reactive mind and the effects of their reactive mind and this uh, magnificent state of clear was where you would have no unwanted emotions no unwanted psychosomatic illnesses no nothing basically you'd just be like the perfect perfect person but the perfect that never analytical worked out. thinking so, person. Well, he, right? well, the the parts that got to me mostly were the two things. One is that that per per the book, a clear would have a perfect memory, right, and perfect eyesight. Now, I was a teenager, and I was in high school wearing glasses. I thought this is terrible, you know. First, and I, you know, I didn't want to wear glasses anymore. So that was a huge thing for me right there. Right. And then the perfect memory, and then. The, 
you know, teenager, difficulty talking to girls. So, you know, I thought, well, the, all the rest of it's going to be good. So, but all of those abilities that he described in the book for a clear, I had never seen anyone have any of that ever in the 40 years that I was in Scientology. And why you go that long and you sort of go, because it's always sort of the next thing. Oh, the next right, step right. will handle that. Because that's what I was going to oh, say. Yeah. Phil, like when you went clear, did no, you no, take... OT8 will handle right. that. Well, wait till you get to OT9. Right, 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 right. So, <laughs> so when, when Jason McGay said that, I go, you know what? I have never seen any of that that I read in the book that got me in in the first place. Right. And so right there, it was like a, a switch. And I was done with Scientology. And so I had to get Willie to do the same. <laughs> so um, I kind of fed it to her a little more slowly. Um, but it, So it took a few months for her. But finally, there was a point where she was just done with it as well. And we were out. Yeah. Um, out in our heads, which meant that we no longer considered ourselves Scientologists. We no longer believed any of the well, you call it philosophy or whatever, but we never, we, we knew that it was all a lie. But the problem was we had family, friends, business, all our lives were intertwined with Scientology completely. And so we knew we couldn't say anything. We had to do what's called under the radar, which means we sort of played along. We just like, oh yeah, we're still in. And we would still go to um, you know, events sometimes go, not very often events, but, you know, go and hang out with friends. Um, business contacts were all, Willie was working for a Scientologist. I was, I had some local contracts I was doing. So we kept it under wraps for several years. Yeah. But during that time, I guess a year or so later around that time, there was a lot of pressure uh, through Facebook for people having certain friends, anybody who'd sort of left Scientology, if you had them on your friends list, they'd go, you got to, you know, take them off your friends list. You. Anyway, oh, I know. I, I was getting called by Celebrity Center going, hey, uh, you know, you're, um, you're connected to this person on Facebook. I was like, I don't know the last time I was on Facebook. I don't even know how to log in. Um, but what, what do you like? They they were literally employees of Scientology. Were literally scouring people's Facebook pages yep. and seeing if you were connected to anybody who was no longer in good standing with Scientology. Right. Yeah. Right. So they were. And, so your sister the was person doing who that. Was tr the person who was tracking my Facebook um, uh, friends list was my sister. She's OT eight, <laughs> and she's also worked for the DSA OSA office for years. Years and she was. One of the original people in the the uh, original uh, anti Scientology group, um, uh, I can't remember the name of it. It was like a, a forum years ago, and she Alt would go religion and troll. Scientology. Yes, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah, <clears throat> she was the, one of the original trolls on that. And she's she's done all sorts of stuff for against uh, protesters. Anyway, she'd been tracking my Facebook friends list. And she, every once in a while, she'd say, you need to take this person off. And I didn't want to, we were under the radar. I didn't want to argue it. And so I would just remove people once in a while. And then after a while, it just got tiring. And, and she'd say, well, you need to take this person off. I said, I told my sister, I said, look, what, you can't tell me who I can be friends with. These people, we've known them for 20 years. 
it's a family we've known for that long. And just because they got out doesn't matter, you know. And I said, by the aside from that, I have, I've talked to it maybe once in the last five, 10 years. She wouldn't leave it. So anyway, so one day we got a phone call that she had flown down from Canada to Clearwater and wanted to get together. And it was like, oh, well, you know, she was there for something else. But Willie and I suspected that she was there to kind of chase us down and find out what we're doing and whatnot. So anyway, we had moved and I hadn't given anyone our new address because we didn't want Scientology to keep knocking on our door. Um, anyway, it went on for a week. My sister was sort of chasing after us. trying, And so finally I said to Willie, I said, look, let's just go have a coffee with her, meet in a coffee shop. If it If it turns out like it's not going to be just social family. I just, I didn't want to be that guy. Oh, not getting together with family. And, right. Right. And, and so anyway, so we, we drove up to Clearwater and met at the Starbucks downtown Clearwater. Um, anyway, we sat down with my sister and started off just, Oh, how's your son? How's it the family and this and that, um, didn't take long where she got into it. How, what about this person on your face? You know, what about this and what are you doing? And da, da, da. I said, no, look, let's, let's keep this social. And I tried to steer it away. I did, I managed to do that about two or three times and then she just wouldn't let it go. So I said, look, if you want to discuss this, let's go outside. I don't want to do this in the coffee shop. So, oh, actually before that, when we walked in the coffee shop, there was some of our friends, Scientologists, and these are like some OT8s. There was a group of five people there that when we walked in, I go, this is Friday morning, and I go, why are they here? They're supposed to be all at work. And I went up to them, and I, I, I said hello to them. I gave them a hug and said, I looked over at my sister to introduce them, and my sister had a look of shock on her face. And I realized later, this was her backup. These people were her backup in case the thing went south, that she had some support. So, And what had, was she trying to get you to, what was she trying to get you to do? To go into flag to get handled. Oh, okay. So they knew that at this point you were what what Scientologists call disaffected, where you right were... that we were possibly okay. drifting off, okay. and that they wanted us to go in and see the uh, MAA, the ethics officer. Okay. So anyway, when when we were walking outside, they had walked outside the coffee shop, and they were standing outside on the street, and they had this sort of really nervous look on their faces as we walked by, and I said hi, and I it, it just seemed weird to me anyway. It didn't dawn on me till later that they were her backup. So we were walking down the street. My sister was ahead of us. And we got down towards the corner. And I said to Will, I said, this is not going to go well. Let's just go home. So I said to my sister, I said, we're just going to go. And we turned around to walk to back to the car. My sister started laying into us and said, look, you got to get into flag now or you lose your kids, everything. And I said, what do you, what, if you go in there and you report us and we and that happened. She kept saying, you're going to lose your family. You're going to lose your family. Uh, we, Sorry. But no, it's okay. Um, anyway, we left. She must have gone straight to flag because overnight, um, everyone disconnected. Uh, so they must have been calling people. By the next day. Uh, I know. Well, I'm. I'm sorry. No, don't please don't apologize. Don't, I mean, don't I, apologize. I yeah. Look, 
Bill, this I, I understand how difficult it is to bring these things up again. And, and Leon and I always feel a little bad about sort of putting people in the position of having to relive these horrendously painful experiences and watching you go through it is not a, a, a wonderful thing. On the other hand, it, it is how people understand just how, perniciously evil the activities of Scientology are when they see the personal devastating impact that their actions have on the lives of good people. And it happens over and over and over. And I know that you didn't just say it, but how bizarre is it that your sister, your sister is saying to you, you're going to lose your family and she's the one that actually takes the act that causes that to happen by going right. back to Osa and telling them he's yeah. not cooperating. Right. She could have bullshitted. She could have gone and told yeah. him nothing. She could have done nothing, but no responsibility because that's what Scientologists right. do. Right. That's how Scientologists view the world. This is, this, right. I'm doing the right and, thing. And it wasn't just her telling Osa. They must've literally been on the phones uh, from that point on, because everyone we knew disconnected business. I went to see a friend of mine uh, who owns a Scientology business. Scientology, he's a Scientologist, owns a business because I'd done work for him before. And I, I was uh, looking to get more work from him. And um, he must have heard. I went in to talk to him and he said, and first thing he said to me, he says, if you're not in good standing with Scientology, you can't do work for me. And that was it. End of end of that, you know. So, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and this is this is again the actions of an organization calling itself a church, right? Yeah, I, uh, a pro-family point, church, yeah. right? Exactly. Uh, we're, we're, yeah, we're the great them, great right. proponents yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah. Family and right. how wonderful, fam- how important family is. Oh my God, we love families. Yeah. Right. right, right, and it's just it's it's so, which is why I get so enraged over it. I mean, you know, I, I you guys heard about the anyway. Anyway, I'm not going to go into that. But yes, okay. So, uh, so you get disconnected from from everybody in your life basically overnight. Business associates, yep. friends, right, family, just. That's it. They just yeah. stopped talking to you. Yeah. So at that point, I had a friend in uh, Vegas who used to be in Florida, uh, not a Scientologist, never been a Scientologist. And um, so I had contacted him and he had some work. So we moved to Vegas, um, partly because we had two of our kids in the Sea Org. And I thought, well, we can at least be close enough to try to contact them. Right. In, um, in L.A. because they were in the Sea Org in L.A. They were in the Sea Org in LA, both of them. Um, our daughter was at ASI, Author Services. For a long time, she had worked actually on David Miscavige's staff. Um, and then she ended up in Author Services, which is the fiction book section of Scientology. And our son uh, was still at Celebrity Centers, both, both of them in LA. So we, you know, it was only four, four and a half hour drive from Vegas. And that, so we, you know, we could 
you know, go there regularly and try to see them. Um, during that time we were in Vegas, we were contacted by the, you know, uh, this TV show who they were doing this documentary and they wanted to just follow us and, and film us while we were making our attempts to contact the kids. Now, what were your attempts to see the kids in LA? Well, it, at that point, it wasn't that much. We had gone no. to Celebrity Center and, I mean, like you were saying earlier, knocking on their doors and they wouldn't even let us on the property. They wouldn't let us call them. We, they, you know, I had called so many times. Sometimes we would park near Celebrity Center across the street in the supermarket parking lot. And then they'd have their security people coming around and, um, taking pictures of our license plate and stuff like that. So um, we just weren't getting anywhere by doing that. So, right. But, but give me, but just for, for, so our listeners know, you can call celebrity center and say, hi, I'd like to speak to such and such. They'd say, hold you know, who's calling. You'd say who it is. They'd say, hold on. And then they would, make contact i mean what would happen no they usually? would either say he's not available or they put you on hold and leave you on hold forever because they and knew because them. they knew your name yeah. is your name on some kind of list I, or i don't know yes they, absolutely oh, absolutely yeah. leah yeah <laughs> but Phil. even yes. i even tried calling under fake names from different phone numbers and but tell but mike explain how this how it happens because we don't know because we're not you know we weren't oso or c or whatever so what how, what would right. happen mike well first of all any phone call, if you have a, a, a source of trouble like Phil and Willie and their children in the C organization, Emily and Mike, and they are known for attempting to contact their children. Unreal. I mean, how dare they? The how dare they? <laughs> Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. The receptionist at Celebrity Center and the receptionist at Author Services is instructed that calls from Phil and Willie that come in are to be put on hold and left on hold, or they are to be put on hold and come back like three minutes later if they're still there and say, sorry, the person's unavailable. Right. And that if anybody at all calls for either Emily or Mike, yeah. who is not a known person that is not identifiable by their voice and yeah. who they are and where they're calling from, that those calls are not to be put through under any circumstance. It doesn't matter who it is. Send it to voicemail. They can leave a voicemail message and then we'll get back to them. Okay. So you were making those attempts. Right. And, and we weren't getting anywhere. So I thought let's take it a step up. And so uh, one day I put together a missing persons poster for our, on our son, uh, you know, missing last time we hadn't seen him for some years. And in our minds, I thought, you know what? He's missing. We have no idea whether he's even alive. Uh, they wouldn't tell us Scientology, even if he had been in an accident, if he died, they would not let us know. Right. So uh, we printed up a whole bunch of these posters and we went down, we drove to LA and we, went around Celebrity Center and we talked to people and uh, in, in the shops, in the restaurants across the street. We posted the, our missing po person posters on the on street posts. Celebrity Center had their people out there shortly after us, right after us, actually, taking them down. But, um, you know, and we had the film crew with us at the time. They were following us around and filming it. 
But um, anyway, we did that. And, um, you know, that was, I think that was one of our first main attempts. Um, and then after that, a little while later, we went to do a, uh, to the uh, uh, LAPD to have a welfare check done on our son. The Hollywood division there? Yeah. Down the street from Celebrity Center? Uh huh. And we went in there and talked to uh, one of the officers at the desk. And um, here's an interesting point. When, when we talked to him, somehow in the conversation it came up about who else to talk to. And there were like a family services, adult family services thing that was mentioned in this conversation. It's something we never pursued. Um, but later, Scientology put on their, they have a hate web page up on Willie and I. They had put it on there that we had gone to this. So they must have gotten the information from the LAPD somehow and and thought we did go and do that, even though we didn't. That's a shock. Anyway, they did send two officers out to Celebrity Center and said, just go over there and meet them. So we went back to, oh, this is going to be a tough one. They went back there. We went back. We met them, our two officers, and they went and talked to the security guys. Um, and they came back about 10 minutes later and said, okay, we talked to your son. He's okay. Um, so anyway, I said, that's not good enough. You have yeah. to see him. Right. So anyway, so they went back, they talked, they were there for a, easy 20 minutes talking and they and they finally came back and said okay they gave us an address of where he is they said <laughs> Wait, he's not on uh, can i uh, interrupt you for one minute so yeah. you went to the hollywood police department the yeah. lapd hollywood division you said i'd like you to do a welfare check on my son they go there. They go. He's fine. You're like, wait, but you actually have to see him. So they didn't right. even. So they went there and talked to their buddies over right. there uh, who were in the security. Uh, the Scientology the security guards, right? Uh, and I think that they do have a lot of allies there. But oh, yeah. I have to say that these two officers, they did go uh, a step beyond. I well, I no, them, Phil. After I, you had to tell them, can you yeah. actually see? Go, please see my son. Don't take yeah. their word for it. But anyway, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. Well, go ahead. well, they got an address from the Scientology security guys, and they said, "Well, wait here." So we waited on the sidewalk near Celebrity Center, and they went off. I got a phone call about twenty minutes later, and they were the one officer. He was a little irritated because Scientology had given them a fake address. So they didn't know what to do. They were going to go back to the station. And anyway, the guy was, the officer was really nice. And he started asking me questions about our son, Mike, and his wife and her family name and her, her, anyway, I said, and her parent, I gave a parent's name. Somehow they were able to track down our son's wife's father, who happened to be in the hospital. How he did that, I don't know. But anyway, so they, and he said, so we tracked down where he is. We're going to go over there and, and see if he knows where Mike, our son Mike is. So they went there and our son Mike was there, apparently surrounded by Scientology security. So they either, while we were there, sent him out there with security or security went there uh, in the meantime, knowing that we were looking for him. So the officer uh, gave him the phone, his phone. And said, talk to your dad. Well, that's amazing. 
It is. So yes. I got this call and it was our son, Mike. And I go, I, first time I'd hear, hear, heard his voice in a few years, I was so excited. Uh, and I said, Mike, you know, look, let's, you know, let's just sit down and talk. Let's get together. And he just said, I never want to talk to you again. Uh, and I know that's the conditioning, but it was, it was the toughest thing. It was, I was just devastated. Um, so anyway, um, after that call, I, I was ready to give up. I said to Willie, I said, I'm done. Um, and we started walking back to the car. Um, and as we were walking past the main door of the uh, of Celebrity Center, I looked over and there was one security guy who he, he was actually the whole time he was one of the main guys that was there. And he was a bit of a prick and he was laughing at us. And I just got really mad. I said, you're laughing with families break getting broken up by Scientology. I said, and no matter what I said, he just kept laughing. I just got more and more angry. And I said, look, we're going to be back. And I said, we're going to be back bigger. I said, we're going to be back bigger. And so we left. And um, at the time, I had no idea what to do. But uh, uh, we came up with the idea after that about doing the billboards. Well, hang on. So, Before we get to that, so at least you knew that your son – was alive and he was uh, okay. At least right? he was alive, and I heard exactly. His voice. And and you know, I and I do want to say this just just to to everybody that that I I am a fan of the the brave war. I mean, I am a supporter of the police. I do not want to give anybody the idea that um, I'm anti police. I am not. Scientology is, but I am not. I am pro police, and I I. They put their lives on the line for us every day, and I couldn't imagine what they have to put up with and risking their lives for people they don't know. I consider them brave men and women. Yeah. Um, I Actually, I knew uh, – oh, there was one other thing with the security guys. We knew one of them from uh, – I'd known his mother from uh, back in Toronto days. Uh, I'd rented a room from her back in 1973. And I knew his sister, uh, who is out, and she lives in uh, in British Columbia in Canada. And I asked this young, because this young guy that we knew, his family, his mother, um, and because um, his mother hadn't talked to his her uh, the daughter for like twenty seven years or something because disconnection. So I asked, um, I asked this young guy what's his, I can't remember his name I said how's your sister he said I don't have a sister <laughs> oh wow man that was pretty heavy and and I uh and I just kept telling him said have your mom call your sister have your mom call your sister so anyway one other thing one other point that when we were standing there after the police had come back and they were briefing us um we were standing on the sidewalk and that security guy that frick guy had he had come up right behind me to hear what we were saying. And finally the officer looked at him and told him to back off, but he was trying to hear everything we were saying. Right. Of course. Um, he had no backup on that, but anyway, so I, I know I had to push those two officers a little bit, but really they did. 
um, go out of their way in the end. I, I know that that the 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 LAPD and the Hollywood Division they they I mean they leaked the information on the Family Services conversation we had. Obviously, anyway. So after that, we uh, we started doing the billboards, and we uh, uh, I had a friend, uh, never been in. He's a graphic artist, and he did the design for us. Uh, he came up with the message uh, to my loved one in Scientology. Call me a brilliant message, and the design of the billboard, and he had all the faces on there of a whole bunch of people that had suffered from disconnection. The only real change that I'd had to make was to blur them, so we didn't have to go to each one of them to get permission uh, to have their faces up there. But um, and then we contacted a. Uh, a media company in LA and uh, signed a contract to put the billboard up uh, near the Scientology complex, the big blue buildings. The one down um, on Fountain and um... <clears throat> Sunset. I remember. Yeah, it was down that area. I can't remember which uh, corner it was on, but anyway, we had the contract signed. We paid them deposit and everything and uh, the artwork was done, printed, everything was ready to go. And then day before we got a call, sorry, canceled your contract. Uh, and why was that? Had gotten to them and pressured them to, to, I guess they, I don't know what they threatened them with or, or coerced them, but they just would not budge. They were not. And what, what company was that? That was Outfront Media when uh -huh. that we started with. Right. So then we went to. I guess they're not so out front, are they? Go ahead. <laughs> That's true. They weren't very out front about it. And then we went to a company called Regency. And um, uh, same thing. We gave them a deposit. We had the art. It was all printed. This billboard was on uh, Hollywood Boulevard, like a half a block from Author Services, where our daughter worked. And that's that's works. off of La Brea, right, Mike? La Brea and Hollywood Boulevard? Yeah, basically. Yeah, Just yeah, a little right bit there, down. Right it's actually point. orange. I think it's Orange and, and Hollywood. Yeah, and Hollywood yeah. Boulevard. Yeah, Go right. Ahead. That corner. I mean, you could I, I you could stand in front of that billboard and you could see Author Services just half a block away. Behind yeah. Author Services, um, David Miscavige has a residence. I don't know how much he lived there, but that was his residence. So yeah, um, it was ready to go. Um, Mike, is next... that really is that where he lives, David Miscavige, right there at ASI? Well, it was. Uh -huh. I, you know, I don't know where he lives now. He may, he moves around a lot because he's so scared of being served with the legal process. So he's probably got a bunch of safe houses that he hangs out in now. Okay. Anyway, same thing happened day before, um, got a phone call. Sorry, contract canceled. They gave us their, our deposit back. And, um, and that was it. So I, then we went to a company called Lamar. Um, Unreal. So two, so, so far two, two huge yeah, and Regency, media companies actually, are refusing to do the, business with you. One of the girls that worked there, um, mm -hmm. who I had originally talked to there, uh, she said that apparently Scientology had, in addition to, I guess, threatening them, had offered to buy up all of their billboard space, which would be millions of dollars in the entire area. And this is expensive billboard space. These are like four or $5,000 a month billboards and more. 
Um, and they have a lot of billboards in that area. So, well, Phil, don't you know that the IRS granted Scientology tax exemption? So they have millions hmm. of dollars to uh, buy up billboards with because that is the purpose of having tax, tax exempt. exemption, isn't That's it, Mike? That's true. <laughs> That's yep. true. Oh, okay. I, uh, yeah. Um, Go ahead. Anyway, Lamar, Lamar was really good. I told him right off the bat what had happened with the other two, and he said, look, we'll stand by. Doesn't matter. Right. And what's um, the name of that company? Lamar. L-A-M-A-R. Oh, Lamar. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And they were really good. The guy actually who I dealt with, um, he was actually excited about it. He said, this is my first billboard that I can get my, you know, most of it's advertising. He says, this is a cause. And I really like, you know, uh, he was really nice. The guy. That's awesome. Um, yeah. 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 And so we set up, uh, there was a billboard on, uh, I think it was on Glendale, right near um, Dodger Stadium. Okay. Lots of traffic. I think I looked it up as to how many, uh, how much traffic, like like a million people a week or something, go by there. Right. Um, so we had the billboard set up uh, to go, and we kind of announced it a little bit that we were going to do a, a gathering there, a little announcement, and um, so you know we invited a few people by, and we got there, and there was a ton of press. I'm not even sure how they all knew it, but. Um, there was uh, half a dozen or a dozen cameras. There was uh, um, uh, Inside Edition. There was um, the Today Show who filmed us there. And then uh, we did a whole what they call, I guess those scrum, they call those things, where people were firing questions at us and we were answering questions. And anyway, that went on for half an hour, an hour with the press and then we went over to good morning america studios and they interviewed us there um and um anyway during the time we had that billboard up we got calls regularly i mean we were interviewed bbc did a thing in even in spanish in south america we did live um uh australian morning show where they set up a studio in vegas that we went to and they they interviewed us live by satellite um, for the Australian show. There were newspapers, I think, daily. Uh, what's that big uh, tabloid in, in the UK, the Daily uh, Mirror? The Daily Mail? Daily Mirror, yeah. Daily uh, Mail, Mirror. Uh, right. Uh, oh, okay. Um, anyway, just uh, international press everywhere, like yeah. some foreign press. Every, I mean, we were getting press all over the world. For, for a billboard of all things. Um, and the so, billboard, I just want to be clear. So the billboard just was a general thing that you were hoping that Sea Org members and disconnected families would see and just, they would, there wasn't a number to call. It was just a message to them to call your family. Right. right. It just said, yeah, so it was to my loved one in Scientology, call me. Because at first the whole thing we were doing was so that we could contact the kids. But as we went along, we kept coming across all these people who had been forced to disconnect from their families and who were in Scientology. And uh, there were so many of them. Uh, it's just unbelievable to us. So it became Thousands, kind of right? a, yeah. a sort of more of a cause to try to help all fa- these families reconnect. So we set up a website and we had a the website address on the billboard as well. And a contact form on there, so you know people could write into us at least. And and we had some information on sort of what Scientology said, 
about disconnection and what the actual situation was about disconnection. Well, uh, because Scientology still maintains that that's not a thing. Yeah, I know. They, I, I always say it's a disconnection practice. They say, well, we don't have a disconnection policy, but I say I always call it a practice because they practice disconnection. I don't care whether they have a policy on it or not. Well, they do. they do have a policy, though. Yeah, but even yeah. if they don't, whatever they yeah, say, about right. policy, I just say you have a disconnection practice because they right, do. Right, right. There are thousands right. of them. Right. Um, so um, anyway, so then what we did is we set up uh, another billboard we wanted to do in Clearwater because um, a number of people who were had families disconnected had contacted us. And a lot of people contributed to the billboard as well. And a lot of them were disconnected. There was a 13-year-old girl who donated. Uh, she hadn't seen her sister in four years. Anyway, so we went to Clearwater. Uh, we drove out because we didn't want to fly because um, Scientology tracks airline. And a friend of ours who was an ex and he protests, he had recently had a uh, restraining order put on him so he couldn't go near. He, he beat it. But the thing is, we didn't want that to happen to us so that we couldn't you know, go around flag while we were there. So we drove. Um, when we got there, uh, we noticed there was a car following us. So um, I knew the area like the back of my hand because we'd lived there for 25 years. So I lost these guys because we were going to meet the film crew. Uh, and so I figured, well, I don't want the PIs following us over there. So anyway, so we we did the launch for the billboard. We had a bit of a crowd there. Uh, and uh, it was a little ways from the church because there aren't really any billboards around flag right on Fort Harrison or anywhere there. Right. But <clears throat> it was mainly to get the message out in the area to, uh, um, you know, we had a little bit of press there less than we did in LA, but it was out there. And the funny thing is that what, after the, our billboard went down, Scientology immediately moved in and put one of their billboards up on the same spot. Um, and, uh, I guess for whatever. I mean, they just couldn't couldn't handle it that we had put our message on the, that billboard. They wanted to get their message up there after it. So anyway, um, and then after that, we did another billboard in L.A. nearby their uh, the Scientology Media Productions uh, uh, building in uh, in California in Los Angeles. Um, and that was the after that that was the last billboard we did. And then what was, was there a success to this billboard? I mean, it did bring a lot of awareness to disconnection and it, it, which is it amazing. I, I mean, mean yeah. well, one thing we did get out of it was we got a huge amount of press. Uh, like I said, we had international press. Uh, we were on the Today Show. We were on Good Morning America. We had, we got the message out there. Of disconnection. Yeah. Of, about disconnection. And the pain it causes. Yeah. And. Um, we did have some people contact us and let us know that because of the billboard, uh, they did have some contact from their families. So amazing. I, we did, you know, we don't, we didn't hear all of it because I, I, I don't know if everyone knew how to get a hold of us personally, but we did hear from some. So it did make some difference in that. But I think the thing is that it brought the awareness up of Scientology disconnection. So. Um, I, you know, hopefully that made a difference. Made a huge difference. Like, like, listen, 
bringing bringing attention to these and putting a face and a heart to this and how it affects families. You're just one out of thousands of families who are crying for their sons and daughters, for their mothers and fathers. I mean, like I said at, at the beginning of this, Mike and I saw the footage of the disconnected seeing, and I, and, I, and I would call them kids. I'd say, I can't believe these kids. It's so horrible for these kids. But, you know, these are grown men and women yeah, who are trying right. to see their, their mothers and fathers, right? But I still see them as children. I couldn't imagine a mother, a father turning away their son or daughter yeah. um, because of a belief system and um, that, that, that will lead them to nowhere. This is a yeah, bridge I, that I leads agree to with nowhere. You. I, I don't yeah. get it. I mean, we got, we got turned in because we wouldn't disconnect from friends, friends we hadn't talked to very much in a decade, but I just refused to go along with it. Uh, family, I, I, I don't get uh, how people can disconnect. Right. Just to throw a little aside in here from a more recent thing on the disconnection, um, we moved to Canada here just under two years ago, and when we when I first changed our phone number, my cell number to a Canadian number, literally within the first few weeks, only a few people had that number, and people I knew close that wouldn't or weren't going to hand it out. I got a call from on that number from the Toronto org that my number had been put into their computer database. How I don't know. A how they got the number. B, that they called me, not even knowing that we were declared, that we were out, whatever. I had a message on my voicemail. So um, anyway, I, I didn't think much of it. But uh, a little while later, I got a call from Saint Hill Scientology organization St. Hill in the UK. And I happened to have my a little recorder on my desk. So I, I recorded the call from this guy in the UK, a Sea Org member in, in the UK who wanted me to do the purification, Scientology purification rundown and get up back online. So I engaged the guy in a conversation. I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to talk to the guy and not tell him I'm out or anything like that. And so we talked, I said, oh yeah, I was out there in, in the eighties and I was back there in the late nineties and is so-and-so still there and da, 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 da. Anyway, and then towards the end of the conversation, I brought up disconnection. And I, you know, I mentioned there, I said, look, there are thousands of families in, that Scientology is forced to disconnect. And this Sea Org member, Scientology Sea Org member, said to me that they're considered collateral damage in Scientology's quest to clear the planet. Collateral damage. And I said that to him, I said, you kidding me? You consider them collateral damage? Families broken up. He said, yes, they're collateral damage in our quest to clear the planet. So that's the viewpoint of Scientologists that are in Scientology about the families. They don't care. Like Mike was saying before, they don't really care about the families, but they just consider it collateral damage in their their and their view on clearing the planet is it's more important than anything else at all. It, it's above the law. It's above families. It's above anything. They will do, they will stomp on anything in order to pursue their goals. Exactly. Yes. And what does it mean to clear the planet? If somebody could say that in layman's terms, yeah, because Mike we still, we still get asked that, what is the Scientology's mission? 
to clear the planet. What does that mean, Mike? It means basically to get everybody to become a Scientologist and practice and go through the auditing that Hubbard laid out in order to remove uh, your reactive mind. The, well, I the- usually say, I just usually, the simple answer I give is clearing the planet means making 80% of the world a Scientologist would, would, would accomplish their goal. That would, yes. Yeah. 80%. Yeah, they're, they're a little ways away from that. A little bit. But imagine how bad that would be. Just imagine how bad that would be. If you look at any of these Scientology organizations and how poorly they treat their staff, the Sea Org people, how poorly they treat them, how uh, ineffective their management technology is, in spite of what they say, um, it, the whole world would be a mess. It, it would be it, People would be just under this horrible control all the time. It, w- it would be a horrible thing. and They think it'll be good, but uh, you just look at at what they've got in their organizations right now. And, and uh, it, it would not be a pretty picture to have a clear planet. That's well, sure. they're not going to ever achieve that, but they're no, going to keep true. selling that. They're going to keep destroying yeah. people's lives. They're going to keep taking people's money. They're going to keep uh, selling, selling people that without Scientology, the world's will just, what I mean, what, Mike, the world is what? without Scientology, it's, uh, in their mind, the world is, is doomed. Doomed. Yes. Like literally doomed, doomed to an eternity of blackness. (laughs) That's That's true. That's That's exactly what, that's exactly what they think. Listen, I just want to end this off with something that I know, uh, and Bill probably isn't willing to to go into this himself, but it speaks to your integrity and your wife's integrity that I know that in the end, Scientology used the one thing against you or tried to use the one thing against you to, to coerce you into stopping what you were doing with the billboards and the media they had Emily call you. Right. They did. And I, we were, that was when we were on our way to Clearwater. We were in a hotel and the phone rang and it was Emily. And again, we hadn't heard from her in a few years. And uh, um, we could kind of tell from the way she was talking, pausing that there were people in the room coaching her. But her, basically she said that they, she wanted us to uh, drop the TV show Stop doing, not do the billboard and stop criticizing Scientology. And I told her, I said, I'll, I'll, and, and that, that in exchange for that, you would be able to communicate with your children. Right. She said, if you want a relationship with your kids, you have to do those three things. And I said, I'm willing to do all three of those things. I said, I'll, I'll right away. I'll do immediately all three of those things. I said, all I ask is you do one thing for me. And that is end the disconnection practice for all the thousands of families that have but Scientology is forced to disconnect. I had to do it that way for a couple of reasons. One is we'd had so much support, partly for the, you know, for the billboard people chipped in, the support was unbelievable. And it, for me to kind of go, oh, well, as long as we get our kids back, who cares about everyone else? I, I, I wouldn't be able to face myself. 
And the other thing is you can't trust Scientology. If I dropped all those things um, and said, okay, great, now I can have a relationship with the kids, they'd go, oh, yeah, but first you have to do this, and then you have to pay for this auditing, and you have to tell us every person you spoke to about everything about anything and right. and I mean it would just it would never end. It would never end, right? It, it was it end. wasn't it wasn't going to be true. Yes. No, yes. Scientology yeah. would never honor their end of the bargain at all, period. So so I uh I had I mean I I anyway, it, it the the conversation started to get a little more escalated. You know, she was sort of saying, "No, this is between just us." And I said, "It's not really. It's it it's it's you know, there's a lot of people out there that are, you know, anyway, as it escalated a bit, kind of midway when she was talking, her phone got cut off. And I'm pretty sure that because it wasn't going anywhere, somebody just hung it up for her. So, um, and that was the end of that call. And we, anyway, the next morning we proceeded on to Clearwater, but. And that um, was the last time you heard from your daughter. Yeah. And yeah. you haven't heard from your I son do have, either. I shouldn't even say this. I do have like an inside line that I do get a little bit of information on the kids. Um, very, very sparse, but, um, uh, you know, at least we know the kids are alive and, uh, and where they are and stuff like that. But, um, I'm sure that someone now is going to be scrambling to find out who at ASI is feeding us information. But, um, um, anyway, they've got, uh, they've got real problems with that, Phil, because there leaks. are people all over the place that I, I do know. that. Yeah. All, all yes. over the place. And yeah, they right. they are <clears throat> trying to plug leaks everywhere yeah. and they are very unsuccessful at doing so. And I, I just want to reiterate that I have enormous respect for you and Willie As for I, what you did and yes. that you stood firm and you could have taken the easy way of going, okay. I get to talk to Emily and Mike and whatever all the, they lie, they, this, they, that, but that's what I set out to do was to accomplish that. And you didn't. And there are, there are a lot of people who've made deals with the devils with sign deals with the devil with Scientology. And I don't appreciate them. And I just want to recognize you because I appreciate enormously the fact that you did not. Uh, I appreciate that, Mike. A lot. Yeah, both you and your wife. I appreciate yes. that. For all yeah. that you have done, yes. Um, and you guys, too. I mean, I, you guys are, are really, I I admire everything you guys have done and everything you're doing. And um, and anything, anytime you guys need, if there's anything I can do to help, you let me know and I'll be there. Thank you, Phil. And, and, and the same goes to you and your wife from Thank us. You. For sure. Thank you for everything that you've done. And, uh, you know, for those of you out there who are disconnected from your or shunning your, your family members, I just hope you hear one father's pain and pick up the phone. Life is too short. There is no belief system that should keep you from loving the people that you should be loving and being connected to the people that you should be connected to. I'm not talking about toxic horrible people connecting up. I mean, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about families who are relatively sane um, and, uh, you know, you're abiding by a system that, that you believe will get you something in the spiritual world. You have to think about today and you not talking to or shunning 
family and friends for something that is not there for you and will not be there for you uh, uh, should come with some judgment. And, and you should think about that if you're a spiritual person in any way. Um, anyway, thank you so much, Phil, and, and to your wife, Willie. And um, I wish I could ease your pain. Um, but you're not alone. We're here. Um, and you've helped a lot of people. You've helped a lot of people. And thank you for that. Yes. Thank you, guys. And thank you for listening. Until next time. <laughs>